Hi, I'm Tina Spangler at TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. It is February 28th, 2023 and this is Q&A number 133. This uh, podcast is made for my Facebook virtual coaching group and I come here every week to answer questions for the group and go over things that are coming up as far as challenges and, and things like that, as well as uh, answer your questions with a topic to follow. So uh, first of all, I'd like to welcome uh, Nicole from Georgia and Michelle from Florida. And I want to um, quickly tell everyone, thank you so much. And anyone who follows my podcast or is a member of my group knows that I had left hip replacement last Tuesday. So today is exactly one week away. And um, I tell you, you know, going into it, I prayed on it. I've been praying on it. I've been prepared and God blessed me with everything falling into place. My son getting here from New Orleans and, um, you know, the surgery going smoothly, the recovery improving every single day. So um, with, but all of that, what I want to do is thank you for the prayers and uh, well wishes and also the people sent gifts. Um, people dropped off homemade bread and, and butter and apple butter and let's see, uh, sent fruit baskets and sent cash and sent cards and balloons and wine. And it just really made me feel love sushi. Um, but a lot of people sent wonderful gifts. So I just want to thank everybody for thinking of me and making the uh, recovery a little bit easier. And I really appreciate my son and my dad helping me out. My son took care of me through the first week. Uh, then he had to get back to work. And my dad's here to help me feed my four horses and clean the stalls until I can do it on my own. And um, it's about a six-week recovery, 100% recovery. Uh, at four weeks, you go back to the doctor. But what I wanted to talk about and tie this in, in addition to saying thank you, um, is that about personal best and how important it is to not compare yourself and um, to other people and their journeys, but to stay on your journey. Um, I really do think that faith is a big part of it for me. Um, my faith in God uh, and trusting that this is where I need to be and where I need to go in order to meet where I, I need to be in my life in the future. Um, and then of course, this is me versus me. This isn't about me versus anyone else. Um, and you know, and, and all of this comes down to the same thing for each one of you. Um, you know, it's a time, it's a time to look at everything. Um, you know, we're just finishing up Mardi Gras. My son lives in new Orleans and they starts Ash Wednesday on, um, last Wednesday and they go into Lent and it's a time of discipline, right? It's a time of, you know, giving up something and being grateful and thankful to God and, and all that. And it's kind of the same thing for people, people, you know, no matter if you are, are Catholic or not, but for all people, whether you're a barrel racer or just in your personal life with your family or your job, any of that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you just need to take some time out and get quiet and reflect and, and how can I improve myself? How can I be happier? How can I have balance in my life, whether it's spiritual with the universe or with God, whatever your thing is, um, you know, and just having that quiet time to reflect and then, you know, making up, you know, how you'll be disciplined in order to reach your goals 
and um and just that's what I want, really wanted to get across though with the uh, personal best each day for me I had a, a goal you know um, at the beginning I was so lightheaded and I couldn't sleep at all and the pain for the first three days was a little bit rough I'm not gonna lie uh, thank God for those narcotics um, I weaned off of those though thankfully after after the third day um but you know it just the small little wins each day just to take a shower was awesome um at first it was just walk the you know using the walker to get to the bathroom and then walker to get to the kitchen and then finally getting from the bed to the recliner and you know you know just each little goal of you know address yourself or get on my um, compression socks by myself and just the little things that you take for granted take three times as long so so each day I had like a goal of something I wanted to do on my own or do better or feel better and in seven days each day I've been able to attain that goal and it feels really good to be able to do that. And I know that doesn't, you know, you're thinking, where is she going with this? But same thing with your horse, by having a schedule with your horse, by having um, little goals set up for you and your horse, you're going to keep being more positive that way. And um, those little goals lead to the big ones. And that's why it's important. This month's challenge for mindset, February, was to have one goal uh, or one thing to focus on per ride or per run. And, um, and you know, for some of you, it might be sitting up into the hole. Some of you, it might be getting more nose and shoulder in your training on your horse. Some of you might be having uh, more, you know, speed control in your circle work. Um, you know, some of you, it might be using your legs uh, to ride your horse more seat and legs in competition. You know, everybody's going to have a different goal each ride or each run. And by reaching those goals, you're not so focused on, I have to win the jackpot today. I have to be 1D today. I have to beat my own time from last time. Instead, you're using your journal. You're looking at your last run and you're saying, okay, last run went like this. This run, I'd like it to go like this. And then even that, doesn't always work out the way you want it to, right? You go there and your horse is acting like a wild beast when you warm up. They're bucking and spooking and and you're like, okay, I guess we're doing a longer warm up or, you know, I hope they don't make a fool of me out there in competition today. And sometimes those are your best runs because you're not worried about winning. You're just worried about, can I get one right and two lefts? And your horse, you ride quiet and focus on your job and your horse goes in there and works like the bomb, you know? So, so those are all things that I just wanted you to to understand um, and and be kind to yourself. A lot of you are really perfectionist and goal driven and and everybody's horse is unique. Every rider is unique. So just just have a routine that works for you. Have a plan that works for your individual horse. Um, and I can tell you from experience the last 30 years and working with a couple thousand horses and you know, and, and so many, um, people that, you know, not one, there's not cookie cutter training. You kind of have to work with each as an individual and it's, you're doing it for the right reasons and your principles and theories are good. You know, the love of the horse, trust and respect, communication through cues, setting a horse up for a win, you know, asking a horse to do it through horsemanship, not through force or pain or intimidation, you know, those type of things, you know, all of those things are important. Um, 
taking good care of them, all of those things. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm going to go ahead and go right into the questions for today. Let me see if there's anything that I'm missing. Um, but yeah, I do appreciate everybody, uh, all your well wishes and such. And I don't have that many questions. I guess y'all were being nice to me with my surgery last week. Um, but it, this question is, I've got a new horse. What you know, should I, what should I do for a bit with this new horse? And my suggestion, whenever you purchase a new horse, work closely with the person you bought them from, because if this is already a competition horse, it's one thing if it's a colt, but if it's a true competition horse already out there doing things, just selling them and moving them is a big enough change for them because they leave their environment, their herd. Um, so stay with their old routine, get the same hay, the same feed. Um, if the horse is turned out or in the barn, try to keep their routine during the week as much a close as to what they have with their previous owner to keep them happy. And then also make sure you know what kind of bit they rode them in, what kind of saddle, uh, how their schedule was. Get as many details as you can and try to keep it the same for at least the first 30 days, the first month, and then you can slowly, gradually make changes, but don't do it all at once and don't do more than one thing at a time. And, um, so I would say stay with the bit that they were doing well with the horse. And then if that kind of bit doesn't fit your hands, because every rider has their own hands, ultimately you want to find a bit that the horse is happy in first. So if it just doesn't feel right to you, then, you know, maybe you could switch to, something that's similar, you know, close to what they liked, but maybe suits your style better. And you can just play with it at home before competition. I always say it takes about three to five rides in a new bit to know if you're really going to like it. So if you can always borrow one from a friend, it's better than going out and buying them for sure. But, um, or getting one used is a good idea too. <clears throat> Next question is, um, my uh, horse is very heavy on the front end and the turns. Uh, what would be a good suggestion for that? So whenever I have a horse that's going into the barrels heavy on the front end, I usually take a look at their basics. So I'll get away from the pattern. I'll work on perfect circles. I'll see if I can get their lateral bend good, you know, getting the nose to the inside, the shoulder picked up, the ribs soft to the outside. And then I want to see if I can ride their hindquarters to each quarter turn while maintaining the shoulder and ribs out and the, you know, nose or eyes slightly to the inside and feel that collection, feel that bend, feel that softness, feel like they're standing up between my hands, whether I'm two hands or one hand, but I can keep them balanced um, between my reins and my legs and um, I'm looking between their ears and I'm really riding from the waist down. The thing about horses that get heavy on the front end, uh, and that kind of goes with the second question um, about horses that dump on the front end, but I'll get into that in a moment. But whenever you have a horse that gets a little heavy on the front end, you really have to think about riding the hind end while keeping the shoulder out because automatically if the shoulder's out, gravity is going to put the hip in. But as soon as the shoulder blocks you and they get heavy on that front, front leg, uh, front inside leg, shoulder and leg, that's going to cause them to, um, horses want to be 
60-40. So it's going to cause them to get heavy on that front side. And what we want them to be is ideally 50-50 front and back, you know, reaching with their shoulders, pushing with their hips. So you can do things like rollbacks too after you do some circles, uh, you know, loose rein woe on their hindquarters, back a couple steps and then roll back to the inside and really set that pivot foot and have them elevate as they come around. Never let them be front heavy. Um, so backing, rollbacks, uh, lateral bend, all of those things are going to help a horse that's heavy. And I like to just do like a 10-foot circle around a barrel. So you could do single barrel. You could do a 60-foot circle, big, and then come down and rate and do a 10-foot circle around a barrel. And that can really focus you on those quarter turns on really perfect form and picking them up. And then after you do that for a little while, it should apply to your barrel pattern. So when you do go back to the barrels, just make sure that you're doing the same thing, filling them right straight, but then filling them being able at spot one, the entrance to shape them up. And I do like in my slow work to shape a horse. I like to ride them square from my, my across the pin and to my right spot. But once I get my leg to the barrel, I do want to soften them. And I like to soften them at spots one, two, and three. <clears throat> that way I can always feel that nice, soft uh, bend through their body that feels more wrappy around a barrel. And every horse has their own style. There's going to be horses that are front-endy. There's going to be horses that are rollbacky. There's going to be horses that overbend or stiff. But when I'm training, I want them to all feel kind of four-wheel drive. I want them to all feel like they're going to wrap a barrel. And um, and they may not in competition. They That may not be their style, but I want to train for flex and fluidity during the week and perfect circles. And then, you know, if I have a horse that ends up, you know, maybe having a different style where they go around a barrel more U-shaped or, um, you know, they take the pocket behind the barrel kind of horse versus, or maybe one that really wants to get in tight with that shoulder, but can really wrap it, you know, that's okay too. If it's efficient, if we're consistently at the top of our game, but in the beginning, certainly not. Babies, you don't want to let them get away with things. You want to keep them correct all the time till they learn how to be balanced and till they develop a style. So the next question was, um, does overriding the front end cause worse anticipation? Yes, absolutely it does. So you'll often hear riders sit up. You don't hear people say sit forward. So sit up is different than sitting forward. Sitting forward is when you start riding from the waist up instead of the waist down. And the more your shoulders get over the horse's withers and um, your balance gets over the horse's withers and shoulders, the less you can use your seat and legs to drive. And it also makes you start using your hands to hold them off. And you often look in at the barrel when all of that, and all that does is uh, magnify anticipation. So if you would think of, let's say, leaving the first barrel going to second, if you would think sit up, which is hips, um, heels, and shoulders all in a line, your hands are forward, extended in front of you, and your six-inch box in front of your horn, your eyes are looking between those ears, and you're looking past the barrel, you're now very balanced in the saddle, and you can drive from your legs and your your everything about you, your energy, your eyes, your body, your voice even, 
you know, it's everything's telling that horse, get in the hole, ride your hiney in the hole. And then when you get to the barrel, once you know you're going across the pen and you're looking past, when you get there, then your focus goes to spot two and three. So then you're thinking, okay, get your back feet to spot one, back feet to spot two, back feet to spot three. And again, you're still riding, sitting up and, and all your energy, your eyes, your hands, your voice, your body, your legs is all pushing that horse through the turn. Um, so if you have a horse that has a lot of it, um, what you don't want to do is what they call starfish, you know, and, um, there are some riders and horses out there that, um, can drive a horse like a banshee into the turn, you know, just really just wild and crazy, um, up into the turn and it looks messy and, and stuff. And that might work for some styles, but most horses in my experience, the more you do that, the more they're going to cause them to dump on that front end and hit those barrels. So, so I would not want to do that personally. So, um, so that would be my suggestions. Um, and now the next question was about overreaching at the long trot and bending shoes. So to answer that question, there's two things that I would think of. Number one, it could be your farrier and balancing the feet. If they're at the end of a trim, maybe they're just a hair long, or maybe it's something with the timing of how he's breaking over the front and the back feet. Maybe he's, you know, got to set them up more in the front or, or break them over a little more in the back, something like that. Um, but the second thing is sometimes when we're long trotting and we're on a super loose rein, our horses just get uncoordinated and we're not helping them. So oftentimes you can avoid an overreach if you do a little bit of keeping your horse balanced between your hands, whether you're two hand or one hand, it's just a matter of when you're posting and they're long trotting, using a little pinky bumps of give and take to keep that horse slightly uh, in the bridle, not, not a vertical bridle, but just slightly there, slightly within your, your give and take of your hand. And what that will do is it will create a rhythm, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, where they're not just, you know, getting out of sync and again, overreaching and stepping on a shoe. That's the worst thing to happen, like right before a run or, you know, as soon as you start your warm up out in the pasture and, and then you're dealing with a bent shoe now and you got to go get it pulled off. You don't want to leave a bent shoe on a horse because it's going to cause them to get bruised and pressure and and it could even abscess afterwards and all of that. So if you have a, if you have a shod horse, you need to know how to pull a shoe and, um, you should keep shoe pullers and a rasp, uh, at all times in your barn or your horse trailer, um, and know how to do it, you know, and have your fairy show you if you don't know how, but you know how to go from the heel to the toe to get that shoe off and, you know, to get the clinches rasped down before you pull the shoe, whatever. So keep that in mind. And that's all very important. And your fear will thank you because they don't like to come fix bent shoes either. You know, their time is money is, or their, yeah, their time is money. Yeah. And, um, and you don't want to deal with it either. So, um, there's been times I've gotten to a rodeo or a super show and didn't have a, sh had a problem with a bent shoe when the horse came out of the, sh the horse trailer, they might've stepped on it on the right over. And, um, I couldn't find a farrier, so I would remove the shoe and to save the foot, 
I just wrap it in a little um, vet wrap and duct tape or even a diaper vet wrap and duct tape it to, so that the foot wouldn't break up the wall or get the horse bruised because they're going to be a little more tender and I'd run and I could still do well. So you may do, you know, it's one run, you know, you do what you got to do, but I just think protection is important. If a horse is shod, their feet are used to being um, <clears throat> shod. So they're going to be a little more soft or tender than a horse that's barefoot all the time. So, okay, so the challenge, um, well, the topic for today actually is the March challenges that are coming up. It's actually March 1st. Can you believe it on, what is today? Today's Tuesday. So is it Thursday's March 1st or Wednesday? I don't know, but maybe it's tomorrow. That's right, Wednesday's March 1st. Today only has 28, uh, February's only got 28 days. So yep, we're gonna be starting our new challenges. So I thought I'd go over them quickly with you. Um, so this would be about a 30 minute podcast. So 10, 10 minutes on this. Um, the mindset is I want, you know, right now we have about 16 names on the personal best for February. And for those of you who don't know, every month I do a drawing in the group. All you have to do is tell me you had a personal best. You get your name on the list. And then once a month I draw a name and you can win a free month in the group. You can win a TLC saddle cross, keychain, books, whatever. There's a few little items. Everything's only worth about $15, but it's more the celebration of, you know, of celebrating those small wins, those personal bests. Whether it's a fast time at a, an arena you go to all the time, moving up a division, or just conquering something that you've been wanting to work on, like sitting up into the hole on your horse. Um, or maybe your colt, you know, going to their first show or whatever. Um, we want to celebrate that with you. So my mindset challenge for March for everybody is I would like every single person to have one personal best per week. I'd like to have this be their biggest drawing ever of personal best. So I want you to think on it. What can I do this week to have my personal best at something? And that's what your focus should be for mindset. One personal best per week. And I don't mind if it's in training or competition or mindset in your mental toughness, whatever works for you. Now for the skill, um, because I am laid up this month, I'm and I'm excited. Once I can get back to riding, I'll be able to make you some more new and fresh videos and all of that. Um, but for now, this month, since I'll be laid up a little bit and I can't do lessons or anything, I will be um, sharing with you in the group photos and videos and critiquing different styles and techniques of fraturity, super show and rodeos and stuff. And I'll be sharing all that in the group. But what I want you to really focus on for your skill, I put a post in the group yesterday about mirroring your horse. Your horse should mirror you and you should mirror your horse. So when you get your photos from the photographer at Barrel Races um, or you look at your videos, are you in sync with your horse um, or do you ride like a complete wild child or starfish like I mentioned earlier? Um, do you ride pretty but yet assertive? Are you there for them but not in the way? So that's what I want to talk about. Here's 10 examples of being there for your horse. Um, and then I'll give you 10 examples of ways that you are getting in your horse's way. So the 10 examples of being there for your horse could be possibly be number one, your balance rein. Balance rein can be a very essential tool in slow work. It can help keep a horse uh, 
between your hands and legs and keep their body more balanced and have cadence and rhythm and collection. You feel that reaching, like I said, with the shoulders and pushing with the hips. In competition, a quick balance rein between first and second or second to third can just guide that horse to their spot without overdoing things. The second thing would be your five rider cues. Are they correct? The five rider cues are eyes, voice, body, hands, and legs. And um, that's a wonderful way to make sure that you're being there for your horse, that your rider cues are correct. The third thing would be your warm-up. Are you doing the right kind of warm-up before your run? If you have a hot horse, you may need a quiet, slow warm-up. I know a pro rodeo horse that won many pro rodeos never got more than a walk or a jog as their warm-up. Lots and lots of walking and a little bit of jogging maybe, but never long trot or loped because it was just a hot horse. So she just walked for a very long time, you know, 30, 45 minutes of walking before her run and she'd go out there and win. So, but he was just a hotter horse and that's what worked for him. Um, if you have a laid back horse, you might do it a little bit different. It might be short and sweet and a little bit more fast pace or more about flex and fluidity or, or, or more long trotting, big circles, things like that. Um, the fourth thing is the holding pin and alleyway mindset. That's a way that you can be there for your horse. Are you calm and confident as you are breathing and exhaling, waiting in the holding pin? Do you approach the alleyway focused and relaxed and you're talking and communicating with your horse? Easy, good girl, we got this kind of deal. Are you focused on your thing that you want to get accomplished? Um, riding in the moment. Um, that's the next thing. Number five, in the moment. Are you able to stay in the moment or are you so caught up in your head that you're, you know, riding, um, you know, late because you're not in the moment. So you're, you're in your head so much that it's causing you to not be able to function. So that's something, or you're thinking about doing 10 things instead of being just in the moment of your run. Um, number six, being proactive and not reactive. A lot of people ride on the defense instead of the offense. So that's important. Um, if you go out there riding defensively, he's not going to turn a barrel. He's going to hit a barrel. It's not going to go well. If you go in there riding offensively, ride to your spots, trust your training, do your job so your horse can do their job. That's always going to go better for you. And then, um, let's see here. Number seven, focus. Focus is really important. Um, the more focused you are, the easier it is to be calm and confident because you're like, okay, I've got a plan for this pin. You know, up the middle arc, spots one, two, three, spots one, two, three, spots one, two, three, run to the timer. You're focused. You're really got a good plan for that setup for that individual arena or your horse, what they need from you. Number eight, breathing. As simple as it sounds, breathing's a huge thing. And I know that because now I'm doing physical therapy every day for my hip surgery. You, they want you, you, it, it hurts. So you hold your breath when it hurts and you, you, they want you to breathe while you do the therapy. And it's the same thing when you ride your horse, you have to breathe. If you're not getting oxygen to your brain, you're not going to be able to, you know, ride well or think well. So make sure you take that whew, big, big inhale and exhale before you head to that alleyway. 
Um, number nine, visualizing your run. That can make a huge difference in being there for your horse because you've already got it in your mind's eye. And the thing that we talked about before is the um, reticular um, part of your brain that wants to match what you're thinking. The brain searches for ways to, to match what you're thinking. That's why being positive and visualizing positive runs can help you do well. So we've talked about that. Um, and then number 10, the final one on that is your prep during the week. Does your horse feel good, their diet, their exercise, you know, how you tune up, how you connect to them. All of those things are the top 10 ways, in my opinion, you can be there for your horse. Now, the 10 ways that you can get in your horse's way. Okay, number one, pulling. The worst thing people can do is pull. I hate when I'm at a barrel race and I hear someone say, pull. I'm like, oh dear. So pulling is never good. Um, unless you shoot skeet, then pulling might be okay. Um, number two, when you kick or spur excessively. I've seen horses come out with blood on their sides because people have no idea what they're doing out there with spurs and they're just kicking too much. Or your butterfly kicking so bad that your horse is actually losing forward motion. Um, and that can go along with the whipping as well. If you're so busy looking for a whip or over whipping that you forgot to drive out of the turns, that can cost you time. Um, number three is leaning. A lot of people lean, lean in, lean out. They're just not mirroring their horse. So that's a big one. Number four. Oh, this is a big one. Lifting, lifting and looking in before you get to the barrel. All that's going to do, if you put pressure on that inside rein and look in, all that's going to do is get the horse to rate down and turn that barrel too soon. Number five is not driving into the turns. Um, getting in the hole is your job, and many people don't do it. Number six, riding the front end only. Your horse's caboose is their power. You've got to ride the hiney of the horse, hiney in the hole. Number seven, bad timing, getting behind or ahead. That's a big deal. Timing and feel is something that's really hard to teach. A lot of people are naturals at it. Other people have to really work at it. But timing is key to your success. So that's another thing to really consider. Number eight is position. A bad position will definitely get a horse, get in a horse's way. No arc to the first barrel, um, you know, jamming them up in a turn, no pocket going in. So they have to blow out wide on the backside or the exit. All those things matter. Um, and then of course, number nine, your nerves before your run can certainly make or break your run. And then number 10, not having a game plan. Just going out there and making a run, having no idea what what where the stakes are, the timers, things like that. So all of those things are my top 10 ways of getting in a horse's way and being for, there for them. So uh, like I said, that's going to tie into our March challenges. So get ready for that. I'm excited for March with you guys. And um, the last thing I want to say before I close is um, don't forget to keep journaling. Your journal is how you improve writing things down. We have a short memory. We forget things. If we write it down, we're going to retain it. We can also refer back to it and it helps us set our goals and our challenges um, to get to our dreams that we want to come through. So remember to be positive and count your blessings every day. Have fun. Um, enjoy, enjoy it. Number one, just have fun. You know, work hard at it and keep chasing your dreams. 
Um, and I, I do want to thank everyone for your patience. I've got about a dozen videos to do today. I'm going to try to do as many as I can, but I have, I have physical therapy at, um, 11 and one. So, and then, um, so what I don't get done today, I'll be working on tomorrow. Um, so let's see, uh, the, the nurses come to the house twice a week and for some reason there's two coming today. So, um, but anyhow, um, thank you for your patience and, um, it, it, you know, if it's taking me a little bit longer, but, uh, I will be doing physical therapy twice a week. But other than that, I'll be really focused on the group because I can't do lessons or clinics for a month. So, um, anyways, um, thank you guys for everything and, um, God bless everybody and ride with heart.